De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell. And today, we'll be talking about account targeting strategies that focus on the accounts that are most likely to result in sales. Joining us is Jamie Shanks, who is the CEO of Pipeline Signals, which helps businesses scale their pipeline through signal intelligence by addressing the most common yet unanswered challenges that most sellers have. And today, Jamie and I are going to be talking about targeting accounts that are most likely to close. Okay, here's my conversation with Jamie Shanks, the CEO at Pipeline Signals. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's good to have you on. And as we talked about on the prep, Jamie, you're really hitting one of these major themes, and especially germane theme as the tech sector undergoes a bit of a recession it's harder and harder to get to the sellers. And as we know, the increasing power of sellers or buyers rather makes it harder for sellers. I want to start out with an understanding of where sales leaders are currently getting their account targeting wrong. What are they doing wrong, Jamie? Help us out. Be the shining light on the hill that helps us understand where they need to get started again. I think that sales leaders lack the, the, the confidence or ability to teach time management. And so let's kind of back into the problem. The problem is that sellers are selecting accounts based on subjective data rather than objective data to make decisions. So as a seller, you're broken into three styles of selling. You are either verticalized, you're geographic focused, or you're named account or portfolio based. So let's use a vertical as an example. You're going after the healthcare space. My responsibility as a seller is to first map the total addressable market of my vertical. What are the healthcare companies I should be selling? Now, what happens is then I have to make a decision. I have to select, do I focus on account A versus B, and then prioritize, do I do that today versus tomorrow? The problem is I use subjective data such as sexy logo, such as number of employees or the amount of revenue, instead of focusing on objective data, such as they were on my website five minutes ago, or they have a new CFO that started two weeks ago. These are compelling events or triggers that warrant a reason for calling. So backing up to the main problem, a sales leader has not taught time management and decision-making, objective decision-making to their sellers. Okay, and that's interesting because I feel like there has been such a strong movement towards, let's start with the CRO and the CRO's office as an example. It feels like we've gone from the guy or the girl that knew how to sell snow to Eskimos to a, in many ways, a data scientist or, or somebody has to understand data science. I think the data would tell us that, in fact, the shift has occurred because we're looking at things like sales intelligence being something that buttresses so much of what sellers are doing, constantly mining that data to understand how to better drive sellers. 
The other piece is intent data, right? There are so many organizations out there that are embracing intent data. And Jamie, what I'm hearing from you is that's probably the tip of the iceberg in terms of maybe forward-leaning organizations that are recognizing they've got to have better data to attack better targeting. What I'm hearing from you is it's still the land of this objective. Correct. And on the objective side, data or sales intelligence, there are many forms of it, and they're all just pieces to a puzzle. Our job as a sales professional is to triangulate and make sense of all these data points to do the very things that we just described. You need to select and prioritize and segment accounts based on all the information that you have and use your best judgment. And the big questions you're going to ask yourself, do I go after Yeti water bottle versus Igloo cooler? And do I do, if I'm going after Yeti, do I go after Yeti today or tomorrow based on the things that I'm seeing? And until sellers are taught that soft skill and then also given them the objective data to be able to make those informed decisions, then what you have is a bunch of smiling and dialing. You have people with pens and papers scratching off a list like you see in the movies. What data do you feel like they're missing right now? And I understand the subjectivity piece, and I, I do understand that at the end of the day, not all industries are embracing intent data nor data as neatly as I'm describing it, right? Quite often in tech, we tend to be in the cutting edge. We tend to adopt our own stuff the fastest. Outside of tech, not so much the case, right? We still have a lot of that swinging and missing as you're talking about. So if we kind of look beyond the, the four walls of our SaaS world, where are folks missing out? What type of data are they missing out on primarily? I think some of the major categories, and, and I won't even give them their categorical name. I'll kind of give them through the problem. Number one is time-based triggers or signals. So tell me who's new. Tell me who's been promoted. Tell me who's raising capital. Tell me who's been acquired. Next one would be relationships. We used to call this the sphere of influence. We now call it follow your fans. So tell me if somebody walked out the door from my happy advocates or fan base, customer base right now, where did they go? And if they went to a place that's a great prospect for me, I need to be calling them right away. Another one would be product usage. Tell me as an example, if they use solutions inside their tech stack right now that complement or integrate with the very things that we sell, or are we now barking up the wrong tree, so to speak? Like we're calling into an account that could never even possibly buy from us because we have a conflicting integration problems. These are just examples of some of the data points that whether you're in professional services, whether you're in manufacturing, industrial automation, like it, there's, you know, for us, we've sold to all kinds of industries, non-technological, that could use this information. Okay, good. That's a great breakdown. So we've got time-based, we've got relationship-based, we've got product usage information. And I, I feel like the time-based triggers is the area that I hear maybe the least about, except when it comes to some of the things that, say, Aller can do well or, say, TechCrunch can do well. In other words, there are sites that exist out there that really sort of indicate those things. But your ability to get that data is very much about your ability to get up at four in the morning and search every potential target account on the TechCrunch. You know, so it's, it's not certainly something that's going to be your fingertips over time. But I will tell you, I feel like we're seeing solutions out there that help address time-based triggers. I feel like we're seeing solutions out there that help address relationship-based triggers. User Gem's a good example of one that's gotten a lot of press lately, a lot of funding, certainly. But I'm really curious about product usage and how you kind of get your hands around that, because product usage, obviously, for your own product makes tons of sense. If you're not leveraging that, shame on you. Hey, check out Bessemer. They're going to tell you to grab that data and use it. But I'm curious about how you 
acquire and understand what's happening within other folks' tech stacks. I think it's valuable information, but how do you get hands on it? Yeah, well, there. Uh, to your point, there are tools, and there's two ways to look at it. First, your internal tools. So we've learned this through customers of ours. First, you look inside your own product usage. So this began on a journey where started working with companies that would look at their power users. So for years, we were enabling Microsoft and those that sold Azure. So we enabled the Azure sellers around the world. And what they would do is watch when customers of theirs were using more Azure, using less Azure, using it the right way or using it the wrong way. And it gave them a reason to talk to them about upsell. It gave them reasons to protect against churn. That's within your own data set. There are forms of product usage. Then on the outside world looking in, this is going to be a big sub-industry of sales intelligence. So an example of a startup that started a while ago that's free and available to everybody, and then there's a paid version, it's called Built With. And what Built With does, and there's many versions of it, it has the ability to tell you exactly what tools a company has tied to their corporate website, from marketing automation to SEO searching to CRMs to ERP solutions, anything that touches that website is publicly available data. So that helps you understand, well, do they have a mature tech stack that might show you they're the type of company that could buy a solution from us, so to speak? Or do they have the type of technology that we integrate well into or might be a complete detractor from being able to do business together because we compete? Those are small examples. But this is a less mature part of sales intelligence. Sales intelligence is just a puzzle piece as compared to as what you just mentioned, we'll call the relationship space. So in that space, us and Pipeline Signals, User Gems, and a new company called Champify are really kind of setting the foundation for this sub-vertical. It's already kind of plain in motion, so to speak. Each part of sales intelligence is moving at a different speed. Yeah, it's amazing. We know this from being in tech for a long time. The category didn't exist, I would argue, five, six, seven years ago. And then very quickly, a lot of companies are moving in to, to fill those gaps. And they certainly are big gaps. And I have to say the use case for what you guys do and what User Gems does is it's surprising it's taken us this long to really address that gap in our capabilities. Let's think about where we are right now. We're on the verge of 2023. A lot of us are sort of gearing down for the holiday season. It's coming up fast. But we've got this exercise and great sales leaders, they figured this out in Q4, right? They've already figured out their account planning for 2023, probably thinking about 2024. But again, that's probably in our own little SaaS world, right? As we look out into you know the rest of the world, by the way, the rest of the world is not lesser than SaaS. I'm just saying maybe less adapting of technology than we tend to be, right? Where should you start if you're like, oh God, it's almost January. Where should I start with my account planning? Because what I think you're doing a great job of outlining is that account targeting and planning can never be static. If it is static, right, you've got to have some degree of stability. But if it's static, guess what? You're, you're going to lose out over time. So help these guys out, girls out. They're a little behind. Christmas gifts are sitting under the tree. They're thinking about next year. Where do you start them out? There's something that we've been teaching for 10 years. We've now put as part of enablement inside Pipeline Signals that I think is relevant today and will be relevant for years to come. I believe in a 90-day planning cycle. We call it the TAM map. 
So again, a seller goes either geographic, vertical, or set of named accounts or portfolio. I want you to picture a pie chart. And on that pie chart are four colors that you can put on there. We call it the drive analogy. You can either have an account in D, R, N, or what's it, P, park, you know, like if this is an account that's in park, it's in neutral, it's in reverse, or it's in drive, based on, of course, the criteria that you could imagine a car has forward momentum, park, reverse, neutral, so far. What we always ask sellers to do is to visualize their total addressable market on January 1st. You do this, do you get a sense of where you thought, both subjectively and objectively, where are my accounts at this moment in time? What's going to happen over a 90-day time period, triggers and compelling events and sales opportunities and deals lost, won, and so forth are going to happen. And then on April 1, you go through the same visualization exercise. And the goal is to see, A, if you have a creep of subjectivity going in there, like are you over-indexing and betting that many accounts are in drive more than they really are? More importantly, your job is to shrink the reverse pie, shrink the park pie. The park pie are the accounts that are ghosts. They're not getting back to you. You're hearing nothing from them. Every single quarter, you're trying to shrink the size of that pie of your total addressable market that do not know who you are. So the reason is people are, you know, 85% of the world's a visual learner. So if you visualize this, it gives you an opportunity to see very objectively, am I working on the right accounts at the right time and tackling away the park and reverse accounts? I love this rubric. Is this something that you guys have come up with that are you using to kind of highlight what needs to be happening? Or is this something that you guys kind of source from your own sales careers? I know this is something that we actually built in our own methodology. We have two programs, one called Social Selling Mastery, one called the Spear Program, inbound and outbound account-based sales development. And we actually provide this training free to our Pipeline Signals customers as part of giving them sales intelligence. Because what's happening is sellers will get this great sales intelligence and then ask, so what, what do I do next? So we then enable them, okay, now you've got these leads, what do you do next? And that's a big part of our offering because the average seller was still just sitting on their leads. Well, it's a brilliant rubric, right? Because as you said out at the beginning of our chat this morning, so much of account planning and targeting is really about recognizing that you need to overcome subjectivity. You need to have the right data. We talked about the right data structures and making sure you have them. We talked about how hard that is sometimes, but also, frankly, about how we have more and more of that data available. And quite often when I have these conversations, it's like, great, so I have all the information. I should get my hands on the data, but how do I manage it? And we also know salespeople, by the way, these are hardworking people. They're the ultimate project managers. They're the ultimate politicians. They have incredibly hard jobs. And then we throw all this data, then we go sell stuff. Come on, you've got even better data. Look, we've got relationship data. Look, we've got time-based triggers. Look, we've got product usage data. But what we're really talking about is a great rubric for simplifying how a sales organization or a sales person in particular would be able to kind of manage through their account, right? So their accounts rather. So what I'm curious about is maybe a predecessor. This is my marketing brain taking over, can't help it. But what about the predecessor to this exercise? And in particular, the thing I discover quite often is they skip the ICP stage. Companies sort of just rush through to, as you talked about, geographic, industrial, right? They tend to go through these 
really shortcuts to getting to where they should be selling to, where they fall in love with a logo. You talked about falling in love with particular companies who really want to sell to them because guess what? Marketing could use that logo. That's fantastic. Where do you guys kind of help out and get people thinking about that ICP first? Because it feels like if you stumble past that point, a lot of what you're recommending is really going to go for not. That's a great point. Our, our expertise hasn't been about building personas, ICPs, go-to-market strategies. There's always been those that have been better at it. On the marketing side, there's a company called How to SaaS. On the sales side, there's one called Sales Benchmark Index. They're great at building the strategic roadmap. We're the tactical, I'm going to teach you how to prospect from zero to sales qualified lead, but think at this strategically rather than loading a bunch of contacts into outreach or sales loft and hitting what I call the drinking bird button which is an analogy from Homer Simpson in The Simpsons, didn't want to work anymore. So he put a little drinking bird on his desk. They hit the go button on his keyboard. That's what I feel is the difference between sellers who see selling as a job versus a vocation and a career. Sellers who see this as a career, they're not the drinking birds. They want to really be strategic to help their customer. Sellers that see this as a job, they put the drinking bird on the desk, hit the sales loft button, and just keep sending out emails. I do feel like, though, that at the end of the day, there is a shortcut to the ICP in many ways that, and, and I understand that's not the role necessarily the organization or you to make sure people are following ICP. I'm fairly certain that when they don't follow the ICP, there's not a lot that you can necessarily do to help. You know, it's, I've talked to a couple of CEOs recently who have sort of skipped this step or have multiple ICPs and therefore are really spreading resources thinly. But I do feel like potentially the way that you're recommending approaching things, you do in many ways force an ICP on your sellers, if you will, right? Because if they're thinking about their ability to sell within that rubric, right? And again, I love this idea of the TAN map and, you know, thinking about drive, reverse, park, et cetera. In some ways, you're almost, even for the most negligent ICP folks, in many ways, you're sort of forcing them into an ICP because at the end of the day, if they have everything in reverse, they clearly have the wrong ICP or in neutral. I'm just curious at this point, are you guys finding it that most folks are adopting ICPs or is that typically a step you're not having to recommend? I'm seeing a lot of companies selling to a lot of personas, it's interesting you're bringing this up because you know we're monitoring titles for every one of our customers and every job change on planet Earth. And it is amazing, as part of our exercise of onboarding, we get them thinking about trying to narrow down that ICP that they should focus in on. But inevitably, many customers want to, it seems like, monitor the planet. But then you become a jack of nothing, whatever that saying is, an expert of nothing, a jack of whatever that's, because they end up monitoring so many, what seems like conflicting ICPs. And then you think to yourself, let me get this straight. Your sellers are calling into procurement, finance, engineering, marketing, and supply chain. Like those conversations are so vastly different. I don't even know how they could possibly switch gears and be able to have that, the mental gymnastics to be able to have a CFO conversation and then a CMO conversation at the same time. So to answer your point, like we don't develop the ICP map, but we do encourage people to become much more laser focused because then the sellers, they can't have laser, laser focused conversations. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if you didn't catch that rubric, listen closely, rewind, 
get it in your head. And I have to say, irrespective of whether you're able to work with uh, Jamie and his company, it's a brilliant way to think about where you are. Go take that template, apply it against an account base that you have within your seller's territories and see where it uh, kind of pays out. And I'd be really curious. I know that you guys have been doing this for a while, but are you guys beginning to develop some metrics around what a healthy D looks like versus what a healthy P or R looks like? Have you gotten to the point that you've got enough data that you can kind of say back to all these folks that I just recommended? They're all running off right now. They get their spreadsheet. They're going to put everything in buckets. Do you have some basic KPIs people can use to say this is what healthy looks like? Yeah, and, and we can help. Every, of course, every company is different, but we can help them understand that a healthy D means there's forward sales velocity, that there's next steps, there's action items. But more importantly, there are also reasons why you have to be able to, the whole purpose of this visual pie chart, you have to be able to stand in front of the judge, your sales leadership, and defend your top five and be able to defend with real objectivity. I'm going to focus on these five because these are the things happening inside their business that are warranting them changing today, not tomorrow. And so inside every one of those D are elements of future change. Learned a lot today, Jamie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jamie Shanks, CEO at Pipeline Singles for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jamie and I are going to dig in and discuss relationship signals that can complement buying intent. If you can't wait until our next episode, would like to learn more about Jamie, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at A-M-I-E-T Shanks, or visit his company website at PipelineSignals.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where you have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, to the degree it exists, Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 